Hi everyone and welcome back to Crosswires. I'm James and this is a podcast where we talk about technology and look at the ethical side of tech and look at issues as well as just the latest tech news. Or in fact, instead of just the latest tech news. Today, I want to talk a little bit about the value of apps and the, the scourge that is piracy. That was an intentional pun there, folks. Um, so I've got a wonderful guest who's very kindly agreed to come and talk to us uh, as an indie dev who you may know from his wonderful apps PCalc and Dice by PCalc and soon about by PCalc. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome James Thompson. Thanks for having me on. Uh, always happy to come on podcasts and talk about myself. I mean, it's, it's the easiest <laughs> thing in the world. Absolutely. So thank you. Yeah. So PCalc, um, it's a, I mean, the clue's kind of in the name. It's a calculator app, but Tell us a little bit about PCalc. Why would people maybe want to use this above and beyond the standard calculators? And, and what do you think makes PCalc unique? Well, I mean, uh, one of the things is that uh, PCalc has been around an awfully long time, and I've put it on just about every Apple platform going. So, you know, it's on the it's on the watch, it's on the television, it's on the Mac, iPad, iPhone, everything. Um, but... I think that the, the reason that people might want to use it is that it generally goes beyond the kind of things that Apple does. So it's very configurable and you can create your own custom conversions and things like that or custom button layouts. Uh, and uh, uh, RPN is, is kind of a thing that a lot of people use, which the Mac, the, the Apple's uh, Mac calculator does have that, but not on their phone calculators and things. And that's very popular with engineering types. Um, and it, it's kind of, I don't want to call it a pro calculator, but I guess, you know, that that's kind of the way of looking at it. Um, and yeah, and it, it, it's been been around so long that you know i think people have heard of it it, it came uh, there was a point where it was actually uh bundled with the angle poise imax uh, at least in the states so every one of those that got sold there was a copy of peacock on it as well also the g4 yes the, the g4 oh. so i have a i have a particular fondness for that machine uh just because we got some licensing money for that as well <laughs> I do remember when Apple used to put third-party apps because um, obviously Peacock on the G4, and then was it uh, Comic Life on later? Yeah, I mean there was a lot you used to get when you bought something like a Performer or whatever. You would get like a folder with about twenty CD-ROMs in it of, of like all sorts of different uh, things, and then you'd get yeah, maybe you'd get I don't know graphic converter that, that kind of era of stuff that uh, would be on on the machines. But you know Apple as we know, likes to control all aspects of, of their products. And so, you know, it's, it's those days have gone. Um, yes. So I will, I will always hold Apple to account when they do something wrong. But what I will say is when you get a new Mac now, the software that you actually get in terms of iWork, well, I was going to say iWork, but we don't call yeah. it iWork <laughs> anymore. Pages, numbers, Keynote, and uh, the Photos app. I, I do, and of course, iMovie. And GarageBand, which is very good as well. Yeah. And, you know, look, Apple make a lot of mistakes. Um, and I know that we're probably not, I mean, maybe it's a question. In fact, we'll come to that a little bit later about working in terms of being a developer working with Apple. So, one of the reasons I invited James onto the show was because he'd actually made a, a, a 
put out a tweet about someone asking for support for Peacock. And I think, uh, had you gone back and forth at this point? Yeah, we, we'd had a few back and forths and I was trying to work out what was happening because it was, Peacock on the Mac, there's a main app and there's like a little menu bar widget app. Mm-hmm. And it sounded like they weren't communicating properly and it wasn't starting up right. And I was like, this is very strange. You know, what, what's going on here? Uh, and we went back and forth. And then I had a thought and I said, and I, I tried to say this in, a, in as non-judgmentally way as possible. But I said, did you download the, did you get this, download it from the app store? Uh, and they said, uh, no, I got it from a WhatsApp group I'm part of. And uh, I, it should be pointed out that the only place that you can buy a copy of Peacock is through Apple's App Store. And so by asking the question in that way, I knew if the answer was not yes, then uh, they had not indeed paid for it. Um, and I think the reason that the things weren't working was specifically because this was some cracked Russian version of the app, which uh, they had broken the uh, code signing on the little helper app. So it couldn't, uh, things weren't working properly. And anyway, it was, I mean, the thing is I tweeted it because and I shouldn't do things, but I tweeted it because I was just really annoyed because I just found out that moment. So I was like onto Twitter complain. And, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't a big deal. Uh, it was annoying in the moment. But then lots and lots of people replied and said, oh, this is terrible. You know, I, I've put an extra tip in the tip jar for you because of this. And like, so our next day sales were significantly higher than they would have been normally. And then I felt guilty because I just made like, you know, a, a bunch of money because I complained about this guy. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's kind of... That was a new one for me. Uh, and also, I said to the person, ah, so, you know, you, you basically you pirated it. And they were like, yeah, but it used to work before, they said. <laughs> and it's like, you're not really getting the point of this conversation here. You're asking for support from the, from the guy who made this app on an app that you've... I mean, look, there's no other way... To, I'm, I'm somewhat blunt on piracy now. I will be very transparent... When I was younger, uh, particularly back in my Amiga days, I used to pirate software because oh, I, I, I think ever everybody did, and I mean I did. I, I, you know, that is absolutely true. Um, because you know, when I was like nineteen or or whatever, it's like I'm not going to be able to buy a copy of Photoshop. Let's be honest here. <laughs> and uh, so I, you know, I uh, mess around with software, and yes, you know, occasionally things were slightly less than legal, and I think yeah. that is. That is absolutely fine. I think, like, you know, if some... I'm not telling everybody out there to pirate my apps. Uh, I would like it if people paid for them. But, you know, if, you know, people are starting out or they can't afford it or, you know, there's a a wide range of reasons why, you know, piracy is fine. Um, I think if you are in the position to pay for software, Mm -hmm. you should. Because... I mean, for for somebody like me, it's just myself and my wife. It's not, we're not like Microsoft. We're not Apple. You know, it's just the two of us. And literally all the money is paying our bills and keeping us going as a company. So if people stop paying, the software ceases to exist. And, and it's, it's really that simple. So, and there's a, you know, I'm not saying you should rip off giant corporations either, but you you know, it's, 
there's a lot of small developers out there and small creators in many mm. fields um, where, you know, it is their livelihood. Yeah. So I think you've hit the nail on the head there. And, you know, a bigger corporation like Adobe, they aren't going to notice piracy as much. And, uh, you know, without getting too far down the whole subscription versus upfront payment thing, Adobe do make it rather difficult to get their apps. I, I know an illustrator who is, you know, she's a freelancer and she purchased a, you know, a standalone copy of uh, Photoshop and everything, all the other tools she needed. Of course, Adobe don't make that possible anymore. And the only way for her to now get newer versions is to pay a subscription. It's, to be honest, it's why I use Affinity Designer. It's why I use Affinity Photo because they are upfront purchases. It's why I use Final Cut. You know, I, I, I pay. Say, so go on. No, I was, I was just going to say, you know, I, I, I use Photoshop and Illustrator an awful lot uh, for my stuff. So, and I've I've been using them for thirty odd years. So, I do pay their subscription things. I'm not, you know, particularly keen on subscription pricing models. Um, I mean, I'll come back to this in a second. There are some legitimate reasons, but uh, maybe I'm just like I'm making up for my early days of my slightly less than uh, legitimate copies of Photoshop by paying them an awful lot more now. I mean, one of the things with subscriptions is, from a developer point of view, it does give you that regular income because Apple mm. hasn't really made any other way. You like back in the old days, you would do an upgrade, so you would have you know your version two, and you might charge a five dollar or ten dollar upgrade to go to that version. And there's no mechanism for doing that easily, at least uh, in the App Store. Uh, I mean, you can do things like you can create a new app that's called, you know, like call it Peacock 5, and then uh, you get rid of the old app. But then the problem is all the kind of like reviews and the placement in the app store and all that, that's all gone. And that's never really a good thing because getting visibility on the app store is hard at the best of times. Um, So, yeah, subscriptions does give you this means to have – uh, are, are a more predictable income and to ha- to have an in- uh, ongoing income especially if you're working on an app and you know developing it and updating it for the new os and everything you it would be nice to have that regular mm. income as a customer i absolutely hate subscriptions because i you know i want to pay you know, I'll buy version two and then maybe I don't need version three or version four. I'll just make do with version two because, you know, it's fine. It still works. And then version five comes out and, you know, the M1 Max are out. And it's like, oh, well, I'll upgrade to that. That's fine. Uh, but you can't really do that kind of way of thinking anymore. Uh, so, I, yeah, I have that very mixed thing. I understand from the developer's perspective why people want subscriptions i also understand from the customer perspective why people don't want subscriptions but it is also a way to uh protect against uh, piracy like this because you know if you've got if your app is basically you need a, a login to a service in order to use it I, i'm i mean i have not looked but i am sure that there are versions of photoshop out there that have had all the you know the uh, creative cloud hooks mm-hmm. stripped out of it and whatever um but a really don't download random software off torrents and install it on your computer these days because you don't know what you're getting and you you know you could end up with at the very least you know bitcoin miners and and all sorts but at the very worst you know 
it's like there's an awful lot of uh malware out there and uh yeah i don't i do not personally recommend getting peacock off whatsapp groups either um, i mean not to mention the fact it's whatsapp let's let's not go down that path but well know, yes yes, yes. Um, i mean you know if you go if you go into pirate peacock at least pirate it on signal eh? <laughs> <laughs> yes be secure um <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but yeah it, it, it's it's really it's a difficult thing because yeah I, a also i don't know the situation of this guy that i was talking to no. i don't know if he was 16 or 46 you know it, he, it was it was merely he was an example of the kind of things that we occasionally run into and deal with and and you get that every now and again and you get the other thing that we, I see a lot of is people saying, oh, I work for so-and-so magazine, you know, and we'd like to do a feature on you. Can I get a promo code? And it's like, it's weird that your email address is, you know, um, trying to think like techcrunchjournalistbob at gmail.com. I'm yes. not sure that you are actually working for the TechCrunch at all. Um, so I normally say to people like that, it's like, well, you know, email me from your, your work account. Uh, and I'll happily, you know, send you a promo code. Uh, they never do. Um, and you do the other thing that gets me, and you know, this is this is bad. Is you do get a lot of people who say things like, you know, I am in poor financial situation because I'm a student, or you know, I've lost my job, or a, a variety of things, and I can't afford it. And the problem is, I've had so many of those that are clearly fraudulent attempts to get copies. I am sure at some point somebody has emailed me who is, uh, you know, genuinely uh, in that case. And I have, you know, possibly been more suspicious than I should be because you're dealing with these other people. So it's like those people are actually hurting the people who might legitimately have a reason. Because, you know, if somebody did email me and you know i i have definitely given copies to people before but there is this part of me that's like mm. ah, suspicious so i think you know when we talk about app pricing what often bothers me is when someone says oh i can't afford this app i can't afford peacock or i can't afford oh i can't afford tweetbot for example because tweetbot's yeah. a wonderful twitter client um Although they've gone um, yearly subscription pricing yes, now. Yes, they have, they have. Which, again, I can understand, again, it goes back to that whole issue with upgrades. It's not, it's never been easy. And Apple, if anyone from Apple's listening, which I doubt they are, come on, guys, sort it out. It can't be that hard. They, they've had, like, 14 years to do this. It's clear that there is somebody, and I'm not going to say it's Phil Schiller, it's probably Phil Schiller, who Phil Schiller. decided that that isn't the way they want to do it. And they want to move... You know, ultimately subscriptions and and that kind of revenue. Because, mm. I mean, the other thing is like, while subscriptions are you know great for as we were saying for developers and getting regular income, they're also great for Apple for getting regular income. So. Yeah, because of, of you know Apple, the only way right now, uh, despite everything that's going on in in legal land, the only way to doing app purchases in your apps is through Apple system. I have a view on that. We might come to that. But but the problem is you say, oh, I can't afford this. But yet you'll go out and buy a Starbucks coffee, extra vente with 
all the shots, everything, and you'll spend, you know, British pricing here, six, seven pounds on that and a muffin, you know. Uh, when Peacock started, uh, it was $20. And when the App Store came along, I was like, well, $20 is quite a lot. I will, I, or it, it feels quite a lot for what the App Store is doing. So I will, you know, cut it in half to $10 for the, for the iOS and then eventually the Mac version. Um, uh, but now, like that seemed to be the standard price for an upmarket utility at the start of the App Store, which I hate to think is like 14 years ago, 15 years ago. Um, uh, and now $10 is like ultra premium or whatever, because yeah, the, 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 the pricing model of the App Store has kind of, uh, been pretty bad. Uh, but I have not reduced the price, uh, and I kept I kept it at ten, and then at one point, as an experiment, I reduced it to five, and sales went up, uh, but they didn't go up twice as much. So, what that was telling me is, you know, like if you if you the actual amount of money that I was bringing in was was less at the lower price. So, well, I'll keep it back at ten dollars, and uh, and I think it. It helps to a certain extent because, you know, like, uh, it gives it a premium feel or whatever, which, um, I don't know how true that is or, or not, but I think that helps because, you know, you're looking at a ton of free stuff and then some things at one or two and, and then, you know, Peacock is up, up the, the top end of that. Um, I don't like that the top end is where my low end started. <laughs> in this business but you know that it's not just uh software that that's happened to it's like the entire media landscape has changed in the last you know couple of decades and it's very hard to you know make money as a journalist for example or as a musician or a lot of these creative industries uh it, it's uh you know, some people seem to be making a lot of money in record companies and whatever, but it's not the actual artists that are making the money. Not, not that I, not that I consider myself an artist. I just wish to point out. You've sort of made a point before we started this about well, what about the devices you're running? So, yeah, what, what do you mean? I mean, it, it's like the, the Apple's gear is not cheap. You know, you've spent a five hundred to a thousand pounds on a phone, or you've spent. Uh, you know, a thousand to four thousand pounds on a laptop, and uh, but ten pounds for a bit of software or whatever it is is too much. Now, I, I I get you know for some people it is too much, but there is just this voice at the back of my head that's like, why? You know, it, if your money is really that tight, why did you buy, you know, uh, a thousand pound phone? And I uh, I I know that's not necessarily the most charitable view of me but i i do think that is you know you try and remove all your kind of like biases and prejudices and whatever when you're dealing with people you know because you're like i am a business you know i i i'm i i'm yeah. running a business i'm trying to be as um open about things as possible but sometimes people will email you and you're you're just like you're you have a, a kind of emotional response to the way that they've written some email or something and you're trying to write a polite email back to them but you're 
cross because of something they've said or, or whatever. But yeah, yeah. I, I think that's not unique. Uh, unfortunately, you know, if I've been in support roles for a long time, and sometimes the email, you know, at the back in your head, you know that they're not attacking you personally. Yeah, they don't yeah. know who you are. They don't know anything about you. But that email that says, you idiot, you've done this wrong, or I hate the thing that you've, or your company's built, it still it still hits, because it's something that you, I'm guessing probably far more so for yourself as a developer than me just supporting an app that, you know, is a job. It's, yeah. it's something you, you know, you've worked hard on. I mean, if somebody does, if somebody attacks my software, it, you know, I should not, like, uh, get my entire personal validation from the software that i've written kind of thing you know there is a uh point where you're too emotionally tied up in your own work or whatever but somebody criticizes my stuff i do feel like it's a criticism of me because you know i i've built this thing and you know peacock uh, i don't think we said really but peacock uh i started it at university um in 92 so it is in its 30th year this year so this december it's going to turn 30 Wow. Um, and so I've, I've been doing this for a long time. So if, you know, people are unhappy with an element of it, it's like, oh, I've been making this for more than half my life. Um, if you don't like it now, well. Uh, so if, so correct me for a moment, if you, unless I'm mistaken, if Peacock started in 92, yes. does that mean you've been through one, two, yeah. three, four? Four processor transitions, yes. Four processor transitions. Uh, so 68K uh, Motorola to PowerPC to Intel to ARM. And yeah. some of the code that is still in Peacock existed in that early 92 thing. There's oh, like wow. variable names and function names and stuff which are literally the same. It's not 100% the same code because when it was first written, it was Pascal. And I right. hand-converted some of that Pascal into C, which is the kind of core logic to the app. But yeah, some of that code is still around. And uh, yeah, it, I've seen kind of like... Uh, it also should be pointed out that 92 was pre-web. Like, oh, gosh, so yeah. like the uh, early versions were distributed on FTP servers and, you know, through Usenet stuff. So it, it it's kind of, I, it's not like I've been there since the beginning, but I've certainly been there a long time to see the various transitions that the industry's done. And I have done other things in the meantime. It should be said, I've not been writing a calculator for 30 years. No. I uh, I wrote uh, an application doc called Drag Thing that was quite popular, uh, at least uh, for some time. And uh, I had four years working for Apple in the middle of that, and I had other jobs as well. But, you know, for the last 22 years, I've been completely independent uh, since leaving Apple. Which is, is a, you know, you've seen everything. You've uh, You know, we've talked, we talked about it. You've seen the App Store develop now i guess the question is obviously on, on on ios you have no choice but to be on the app store yeah if i'm okay to ask this what made you decide to go mac app store exclusive so there was a uh when the app store came along i put pcalc on the app store but i was also selling it through kagi who were a payment processor mm -hmm. company um who are no longer with us but uh the, at the time uh uh, with Peacock three, you could buy it either way, and it had like two links on on the on the uh, 
my webpage and it was like click here to buy it through apple click here to buy it whatever and it got to the stage where it was like 80 90 was coming through the app store and clearly for whatever reason uh people preferred that way or they found it more easily that way and i mean i think there is one thing about the app store that you know people trust apple and trust mm. the credit card processing side of this and you know, Kagi were a good company, but you are still putting your credit card details into a web page. And there's something about that that feels slightly less, you know, secure in, in some way. Um, and so at that point, it was like when I was working on Peacock 4, um, I had the the opportunity to kind of like uh, reset things a bit. And I decided I was just going to sell through the App Store. And I mean, also... Uh, the majority of our right. sales are the iOS version. Like it's about eighty percent okay. to twenty percent. Um, it's actually that's probably not true now, but like it was for a long time. That the Mac app, the Mac app has had kind of a bit of a resurgence of late because I did a bunch of things to it, like the being able to edit layouts, which was something that was only on iOS, and the the aforementioned menu bar widget. Really, it was kind of to do to do the selling through Kagi. There was a lot of infrastructure around that and sort of even just dealing like with the tax side of that and having to declare things and whatever. And Apple makes that really simple because you, you're selling in like whatever it is, a hundred and something, 188, yeah. I'm guessing, uh, countries. Right, yeah. uh, is something I was looking at it recently. Um, and you're selling that and you don't have to deal with like getting paid in you know, Canadian dollars or, or something like that, you will just get paid in your local currency and Apple deals with an awful lot of stuff. And they've also got, I don't want to sound like I'm advertising for Apple, but they've got the small business program, which means that their cut is 15%. If you make less than a million a year, which I will say we make less than a million a year by quite a lot. Um, uh, you know, if I was making more than a million a year, I, I would be happy paying the 30%. But anyway, if you put less than... Uh, a million you pay 15 percent and honestly in my book 15 percent for all the stuff that apple does and dealing with a lot of it that's worth it to me there are some downsides because apple is kind of for legitimate privacy reasons we don't get a list of the customers no. so i don't know who's bought the software so all i get is like get told well you sold 10 copies in this country and you know 20 copies in this country uh but it means that there's not that as direct a connection to your own customers so you know you, you don't have email addresses so you can send them like a newsletter or, or anything like that uh, or an you, onboarding email yeah um but i mean there are there are ways to do that kind of thing you know if you are doing a subscription thing you can sign people up for newsletters. I think that's something that Apple added recently. They're, they're happy to do that kind of thing. Uh, but it, it's, th there is this kind of, it, I feel more disconnected from my customers than I did, you know, like 20 years ago uh, or, t you know, 15 years ago, uh, <laughs> which is, is kind of a, I mean, I can see that it's a, it's a bad thing in a way, but, mm. you know, it's like I would see uh, celebrities buy a copy and, you know, it would say so-and-so, um, like, you know, pick an example, Matt Groening, the uh, yeah, Simpsons, Simpsons guy, guy. Yeah. He, he bought a copy. 
And it's like, oh, I've got an email address and a physical address. I probably shouldn't have that. <laughs> and so, you know, you can see why Apple would say, uh, don't, don't, uh, don't pass those kind of details on to the developers. So I, I do understand it from that point of view. The one thing I've definitely seen a lot of, and this is just coming from someone reading App Store reviews, is you tend to find people using the App Store reviews as trying to get support. And yep. it's, it's not what it's meant for. But I guess it also is, unless you've built in really good support into the, to the app, people just go to the App Store reviews and like, oh, this isn't working the way I think it should. Yeah, I mean, I try and put like a fairly visible uh, email button that does an in-app email, um, and that works. I think that's that's probably, you know, we do get some people doing things, and at least now you can reply to App Store reviews, which you couldn't do before. So you can reply, and most of the time, if somebody says, oh, this is really broken, you can say, well, this is an own problem, and it's going to be fixed in, you know, version 351, which should be out on Tuesday. And generally, when the thing comes out, uh, people will change their review and say, it's fixed now, thanks very much. And, you know, uh, and most of the time, if some, and if, you know, somebody has a question or, or something and you reply to it, they will update their review. It, I mean, the, the reviews are interesting because uh, if you have a paid app, like $9.99, you can't leave a review, obviously, unless you've paid for it. So it, there is a certain, that filters out certain low grade of reviews. Mm-hmm. And if you have a free app that's like uh, in-app purchase, still unlock stuff or subscription or whatever, people can leave a review. They can just download it for free and leave a review instantly. So you t- like peek out light, which is the, the free version of PCALC on iOS, which is a, a perfectly nice uh, yeah. functional calculator, no adverts, works on an iPad. You know, unlike Apple, I did do an iPad calculator. <laughs> um, I, I, one day they're going to do it, but one I day. say that every year. Anyway, point being, it's a free thing. It's got no adverts. It's quite nice. Um, it's got way lower star rating than the main full app, which costs $10. Which does do more things, but you know, I think just by virtue of being free, people will download it, and you know, they, they can then uh, leave a review. Um, I try not to read the reviews. I mean, I do, and mostly my wife will read the reviews, and then if there's some technical thing or whatever, because I don't want to see necessarily the the, the reviews. It's like you know, actors reading the the reviews of their play or whatever. You, don't really want to do it from a mental health point of view. Um, most of the time, people are very nice, but occasionally you'll just get one, and and it's like you know the thing where you get a thousand positive messages and then one negative message, and then literally all you can see is that negative yeah. message. You know, and unfortunately, I think you know my take on a lot of this stuff is my view is honestly, I think in society in general, I think we seem to have dialed down our respect for each other a bit it, we seem to have turned that volume down and it's really sad and it's i think something that you know we're sort of talking about in terms of you know you've got a thousand pound phone but you won't buy a ten dollar app i don't like the word entitled but sometimes I, I just see people like oh i should get everything for free because i've got this youtube channel well guess what folks this is a podcast i've got a youtube channel 
I recognise that my numbers right now are not enough to go and start asking brands for things because I'm very much aware that it, there's no return on investment for them. You know, I mean, just being very honest, if I if I said to James right now, and, you know, if we were to say, oh, let's run a competition where, you know, our listeners can get 10 free copies of uh, Peacock, well, actually, I might only have 10 listeners right now, and it's not worth it for you as a developer, being very honest, because you're not going to see an increase in sales. You're probably only going to end up seeing 10 promo codes wasted. I mean, to a certain extent, yes. I do also think... There is a value to the Apple community, which uh, at all scales, I think is worth supporting. And I mean, Mm. like I do find, like we talk about people not wanting to pay for software. What I have heard from people that do software for both iOS and Android phones is that it is much harder to sell on on Android. Mm. Uh, Like people who do a game, for example, that's on both, they'll generally get, uh, much higher sales on iOS. And that could be a factor of the, the people who have iPhones have more disposable income or or however it is. But, you know, the, the Apple community is still actually a, a good thing and worth celebrating. Oh, absolutely. Um, uh, so, you know, if I do not want to be the person that if somebody came to me and said, will you do this thing? I go look at their numbers and go, no, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not worth my time or, or, or whatever, because that is a person that I don't want to be. I don't want to be the person who believes in no. hype, but you know, it, it's, uh, it is difficult. I mean, I get what you're saying. you know, I get what you're saying. I think the point, uh, yeah, I maybe mis misphrase that, but the point is, that I think people need to be very much aware of the, what they're asking is it reasonable to ask these things and i and i think again it just goes back to this think about that attitude of i won't pay for an app but i'll pay for this or you know what sometimes it's okay to wait to get an app i mean so i'll be really honest because i'm not working at the moment i want to upgrade to audio hijack 4 but I'm going to wait until I have the income to do so because then I feel that I'm at, you know I can properly support Rogue Amoeba, who are a wonderful bunch of people. I've I mean we both use Audio Hijack for for recordings, yeah. um, and I want to support other devs. Now we talked earlier just to wrap things up because I'm aware that because of some audio issues we've had during this <laughs> podcast, which hopefully you guys won't hear. I don't want to take up too much more of James's time, but. Um, subscription model can work really well when you've got services tied to that. So yeah, as much as people may not like the way that a certain password manager is going, I find real value in their subscription offering because especially their family plan, because it helps me keep my family safe and other things like, um, my Plex pass, because it gives me all the extra features like, TV recording, live TV recording on my Plex server. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's a subscriptions are a much harder sell for something like PCALC, which is mm. a standalone utility that, you know, I, there is work involved every year in keeping it up to date and adding new things and all that, but it is less of an obvious candidate, I would say, for a subscription. Because, of course, Apple have just been out, announced WWDC this year. Yeah. And, of course, that must be sending you into panic mode, like, oh, no, what are they going to break this year? I, I mean, there is 
like literally every year there is a mix for WWDC of the kind of like excitement to see what they're introducing and what it all mean and things. And like this year, you know, we might get some completely new things like AR headsets or, mm. or whatever. But then there is the fear of, are they going to Sherlock my app uh, for listeners who don't know the term it's uh basically when apple uh creates a, a thing that makes your third-party software obsolete uh which is named for sherlock 3 which i think we can charitably say had a feature overlap with a, a bit of software called watson which was a third-party app and so the term sherlocking uh came along um i also worked on sherlock 2 for a weekend but that's another story um but yeah, so, you know, you you do have this fear of like, what's broken? How much do I need to do? Things like that. And sometimes uh, it has to be said, like the most boring WWDCs are kind of the good ones because it's like, great, I don't need to rewrite half the app. I can actually concentrate on doing other things that I want to do rather than spending all my time chasing some new feature that Apple has added. So my my final question before we kind of wrap up is then, I, one thing I have been curious about is uh, we don't need to go into too much detail, but how long did it take you to get um, pCalc for the Mac sort of sorted for the M1? Uh, the, well, is it Universal 2 they're calling it? Because PowerPC to Intel was Universal, yeah, this is Universal I, I, 2. I, I th- I th- there's a, I can't remember the act. There's so many branding names that Apple reuses. Um, I discovered an advert. I was going through old... Um, 80s uh, computer magazines uh, from my parents' attic, and I found an advert uh, for the Apple III, which talked about this fabulous technology they had uh, called Catalyst, which is a term that Apple are now using again for the running iOS apps on the Mac. And it was like, clearly this was something that they had in their little trademark drawer, and they were like, oh, we can reuse that. Anyway, Apple does that a lot. Uh, How long did it take me to get it running on the M1? I will tell you, it took me longer to expand the copy of xcode that added uh apple silicon support than it did to add support for the for the m1 i literally just uh clicked checkbox said compile and it all worked i did nothing um it not everyone is going to have that experience but if you have relatively modern like high level code most of the time this stuff is it, it, it was a lot harder going, you know, PowerPC or, or 68K to PowerPC and PowerPC to Intel, because uh, especially with PowerPC to Intel, you had different endianness on the processor. So data was the wrong way around in memory in some cases, and you had to flip things and whatever. But M1 was the easiest transition by f- absolute far, because I literally had to do no work. That's fantastic. And as you said, not everyone's going to have that experience, but... Um, honestly, I I haven't yet had mm, I haven't had the opportunity to spend enough time with a Apple Silicon based machine. I've played with you know my friends got one, but what what a transition, what a product line. Oh yeah, I mean it's like I I have got uh, I will say I have a little Mac Studio sitting on my desk, which is what I'm recording on, and I got it a couple of days ago, and it is tiny um, and is easily the fastest computer I've ever used. Um, and you're replacing uh, an iMac Pro, if I understand correctly. Yeah, I mean, it is it is almost exactly twice as fast uh, as the iMac Pro. So, like, if I'm compiling, and you can do a thing when you're when you're about to submit a build, you do a thing called an archive build, which basically just 
compiles all your code, does all the stuff, and gives you a file that you can submit to Apple. And doing an archive build of uh, Dice by Peacock, which is a slightly bigger app, was something like uh, 52 seconds on uh, on the iMac Pro and 26 seconds on the Studio. So it was, um, it was exactly twice as fast. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's very impressive that I, this is like a tiny box which is just sitting here that, you know, the fans don't even really spin up when I'm doing any of that stuff. And you can see that it's using 20 CPU cores that are, grinding away doing all, all the things so yeah it's, it's really it's really impressive what they've managed to do and this isn't the high-end machine this is the no. mid-range you know we don't know what uh, mac pro is going to look like but presumably wwdc might at least bring some hint of a mac pro that's my guess because they said they're very clear we've got one last match transition they also yeah. did say we're announcing one last chip in the m1 family so yeah i mean i think given that the the ultra is uh Two uh, two maxes, M- isn't it? Two maxes together. I'm assuming that there's going to be an extreme or something, which is four of them, um, and that is going to be an extremely fast computer indeed. Uh, oh, yeah. It's like I've been trying some of the 3D stuff on this machine, and I, uh, as well as doing Peacock, I've been doing a variety of things. Like you alluded to earlier with Dice by Peacock, which is a, a Dungeons and Dragons 3D dice simulation so if you need to roll dice but you don't have any physical dice it's it's a a way of doing that on your phone or mac or whatever and alongside that i've been experimenting with a lot of 3d graphics things because Mm. of course the rumor is that apple is going to be doing all this ar vr future and that's where their next big stuff is going to be so i wanted to learn that Anyway, running all of those things at maximum settings, like running six different windows of 3D graphics, all running at maximum 60 frames a second, like, it, like the machine is just sitting there saying, yeah, give me a, give me a real challenge. Uh, so I, I have yet to make this thing, yet to make it sweat in, in any way. And, and I need to like kind of up my game and try and do something far more complicated in 3d and see if i can like find where the limits are how many chrome tabs have you got open at once well i don't use chrome because that's a good shout that's a good shout (laughs) i try to have as little to do with uh uh, giant tech corporations that aren't apple um as i can it's hard Um, it is no it it really is hard and it's going to be somewhat of a recurring theme on, on this show if i'm being honest with you you know i hinted at signal earlier I am very anti-Facebook. I'm very anti-Google as much as I possibly can be. Um, so we're definitely going to be exploring that just as a sneak peek. Anyway, James, thank you so much for your time. Of course, it now comes to a point where I let you have your obligatory plugs to tell people where to go and find your apps beyond the App Store and maybe if if you want to where people can uh, stalk you on social media. Well, the, you know, the one uh, social network that I will... Uh, vaguely endorse uh, is Twitter. Uh, I'm James Thompson on Twitter, and that's Thompson without a P. Uh, and generally, uh, if you want to see my apps, uh, peacock.com has most of them. And uh, yeah, that, that's really it. I, I, I turn up on a variety of podcasts in other places every now and again, um, some for uh, Relay FM and some for the Incomparable Network. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure there will be links in the show notes to okay. some of this stuff. Absolutely, we'll put links to we'll put links to all of James's apps on iOS and uh, the Mac. Uh, obviously, Twitter and everything like that. And 
James, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Uh, I do want to say a huge thank you for your patience while we've been recording it. It's really been appreciated. It, it, it's not a problem. And, and you know, the irony is we've had no audio problems in the last, like, half an hour. Oh, so. that's what you get. Look, folks, if you ever have audio issues on the Mac, just reboot a thing. Don't, don't just reboot the Mac, honestly. It's, it's much easier. Yeah, the, the have you tried turning it off and on again is a line and various things for a reason yes so thank you very much everyone for listening head over to crosswires.net for the show notes head over to crosswires.net forward slash youtube for our youtube channel i've just uh, put out our latest video where i upgrade an apple airport time capsule which had a dead drive it's up and running again it's doing my backups it's up there um of course you lot can't see that Follow us on Twitter at CrosswiresMG and you can email podcast at crosswires.net with any questions. Um, See you soon. Thank you.